Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. As we begin Easter, uh, the Easter season, um, I, I don't want us to rush into it. So often we get to, you know, to, to Sunday morning of Easter and it's like, oh, today's Easter? We're not doing that. Um, we're going to talk today about the suffering of God. And then we're going to talk about the death of God and then the resurrection. And we're entering into today um, some of the greatest mysteries that, that there are in the world. When we come to the reality of suffering, um, we're, we're in, in such, uh, such deep water, it's not even funny. And as Christians, sometimes we try to defend God. Can I, can I just say a lion does not need your defense? You know, I, I have very small teeth and no claws whatsoever. And if there is a lion, you know, that lion does not need me to really do anything. In fact, what the lion needs me to do is get out of the way. Take care of himself. And in a similar way, Father God does not need us to give shallow answers to deep questions. And so in the face of some of the pain that you guys have experienced, deeper than, than I can imagine, um, in the face of, of the brokenness in the world and how could a good God allow evil in the world, I, I just want to say, how, how could Auschwitz happen, people say, if, if there really is a good God? Guys, I just want to say that that shallow answers can never fill deep mysteries. And sometimes the answers we Christians give are kind of like a guy standing there with a friend, um, you know, a, a, a young you know, kid, and, and just simply saying, hey, you see those bright things? They're way up there. Yeah, they're like a half mile away in the sky. And some of them are even like a mile up. And, and, uh, and, and wait a minute, no, they're not. Um, that's 200,000 light years away, a distance we cannot fathom or imagine. There is light traveling towards us that um, is, is unbelievably ancient and old, and, and we are alive and awash in a mystery, and sometimes in the presence of mystery, we just need to be still. And sometimes in the presence of your pain um, and, and you're wondering how God could possibly love me if he's allowed me to suffer, I, I just want you to stand in the depths of, of the infinite uh, you know, um, love of God and, and the reality of God and just, just stand and look up and realize that God the infinite has an answer, but it is not a shallow one. It was a very real and a personal one. It was an answer with a name. You see, the answering to the suffering of the world is the suffering of God. And if you wrap your head around it, it will blow your mind that a good God who's all-powerful, who could avoid it, chose to suffer. I avoid suffering at all costs, you know. Um, I, uh, I, I hope that when something big happens, I'll bear it like a man and never complain, you know. Uh, but I tell you, when small things happen, uh, I am a whiny baby, you know? Uh, I, I drove a screwdriver in, into my thumb, and you know what? It's like I just died, you know? <laughs> and, uh, 
and I avoid suffering at all costs. God, in the face of your suffering and your pain and the loss of your relationship, he doesn't avoid suffering at all costs. He suffered all costs. And I want to say today, in a way that's going to require you to sit with it, that the answer to all your suffering is the suffering of Jesus. One of the things that convinced me early on about the reality of Jesus was Isaiah 53. I, I read Isaiah 53, written hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of, of Jesus of Nazareth. And it is his life story. It is an exact description of his ministry and his experience um, in ways that, that nobody could have orchestrated but God. And Isaiah 53 um, uh, really begins in Isaiah 52 with verses 13 and 14, which says, See, my servant will act wisely. And the title of this section of, of Scripture is, um, these are called the servant songs in Isaiah. The suffering servant, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. And listen to verse 10, verse 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man. Of all the cruelty human beings have ever imagined to cause suffering inspired by hatred, Jesus suffered more. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. And when we did what we did to love, you couldn't tell that love was human anymore. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before the Lord, him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. And he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. So all the lily-white handsome Jesuses that you've seen in the movies, no. There was nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. He was like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we didn't esteem him at all. But surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. And yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on him, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. No defense, no plea for mercy. 
By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Who can speak of his descendants? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there ever any deceit in his mouth. Yet, it was the Lord's will to cause him to suffer. And through him... The Lord makes his life a guilt offering, but he will see offspring and prolong his days. And the Lord, uh, the will of the Lord will prosper him. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and and he will be satisfied. and, And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils of the strong because he poured out his life unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many and he made intercession for us all. Father God, Help us in these moments to unlock the basement doors where we've buried our pain, where we've boxed our anger at you, where we've put the things in life that are still too hot and radioactive to even handle. We've we've put them in the dark corners, God, and we dare not go there because to look at them is to to be overwhelmed. To look at them is to acknowledge God's things that, that we just think can kill us. But Father, in the blood you shed as you suffered, you answered all that healed all that, conquered all that for love. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus today that many of us would be drawn to him in new ways and that many of us would be healed to live new ways. Father, from this day forward, May we think different, be different, live and love different. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. The cry of of every heart and every insecure heart, because we're all insecure, you know, um, I got on a plane one time and and there was a a guy who got on uh, who uh, had just won a, uh, a weightlifting contest. How did I know that? Well, he had on the skimpiest wife beater t-shirt that the airlines would ever allowed, and he had a trophy in his hand <laughs> walking down the aisle. And I'm thinking, for all of his toughness, do you think he wants us to know that he is strong? Well, where does that need come from? We're all insecure. Um, um, think about it. I mean, we're all living in a world where we're dying. We, we ought to be insecure. We're not secure. We can't make it here. And the cry of every insecure heart is really twofold. Am I loved? And am I lovable? 
And our relationships are so guided by this dynamic. Am I loved? And, and will you love me? And then the hiding that we do of ourselves um, so that, you know, we believing we're unlovable uh, will not be vulnerable and available to people. Um, and, and because if they knew us, they really knew us, they would not love us. They would reject us. John Or Ortberg wrote a book that if you don't read the book, you ought to at least memorize the title. title. Um, everybody's normal until you get to know them. We're all just broken human beings. And the question of am I loved and am I lovable is, is a soul deep question um, that, that drives most of our living. And, and the second question is can I make it? And this is a question that, that certainly every woman has in, in the world. Um, and we all devise strategies to make it, um, you know, involving other people and other things. This is also a question deeply within the soul of every uh, man, and especially every man who did not have a father who was there to truly bless and tell them that you have what it takes to be a man. And in the suffering of Jesus, the answer to both of these questions is definitively answered in, in the, the, the shout of heaven, yes. And in the deep suffering of Jesus, God's question back to us is, who else will suffer for my glory as my son or daughter? You've seen how, how my servant has given his life to suffer for my glory. You've seen how, how his suffering um, brought about life and, and hope and healing, how it, how it took brokenness and made it whole, how it took people who felt like nothing and, and showed them that there was something in my sight. You, you saw how my suffering um, brought life out of death. What will you do with your life? And who else will be willing to suffer for my glory? Who else will be able, willing to, to live, Mark uh, 8.35, and to lose their life for my sake that, that, that they might gain it forever? Who else will join my son in doing my will above their own? And here's really the, 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 the strong line between religion and, and following in the footsteps of Jesus. It's about doing the will of God in an uncompromised way, and it doesn't mean that we're ever going to be, you know, perfect. We're on a journey. But it, 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 the, the difference is religion will allow you to, to know about the will of God, but it will not break you to do the will of God. But a soul-deep relationship with Father God uh, in Jesus will, will do to you what it did to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You will struggle, and you will pray. And you will decide in the deepest parts of your heart that, that nothing matters but the will of God in this world. Everything else you get, you'll lose. The will of God endures forever. Everything else that you do for your own glory will be, will be a, not just a faded glory, it will be a corrupt glory. But everything that you do, losing yourself for the glory of God, will be celebrated forever and ever and ever. The scripture says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It's the picture of an Olympic stadium filled with cheering people, uh, all rooting for you to, to lay down your life and to, to suffer whatever it takes for Jesus and, and to follow him with all of your heart. And in the suffering of Jesus, God says, anyone else? Anyone else? And one of the things that we don't realize in our consumer-oriented uh, modern you know, dying down American church uh, where we're all in it for us and what can I get and, and, you know, how does this serve me and how do I like it? I, 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 me, me, me. 
what we fail to realize about the true cost of believing is what Philippians 1.29 says. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. So your believing is not the kind of believing that, contrary to the TV preachers, is going to bring you earth's success. Your believing, contrary to a self-serving gospel of getting, it's not going to bring you, um, you know, the, the world lying at your feet. Your believing is going to bring Jesus inside of your heart. And it's going to bring the mission of Jesus inside of your life. And it's going to bring the suffering of Jesus inside of your life. Now, real quickly, there's, there's two kinds of suffering. There's the dying down suffering of sin that we choose. And there's just a lot of stuff that we've done in our lives. You know, I talked to a, a guy in jail and he's saying, you know, why did this happen to me? Um, really? I'm not saying, I mean, I've done dumb stuff, you know, and, uh, and, you know, driving too fast as a kid and had a wreck. It's like, why? Well, you were exceeding the speed limit, you know, around a corner by about 30 miles an hour, you know, that might be why. So there's a suffering we bring on ourselves that, that is not redemptive, um, it is not healing, it is not of God, it is, it is the, the breaking down uh, destructive suffering of hell, and that's what sin is. And that's what self-will is. But there's another kind of suffering where we suffer the loss of this world. Um, we suffer like a, a patient. You know, we suffer the loss of the cancer in our soul. We suffer the loss of, of our will. We suffer the loss of, of the things that are, are, are not of God, glorifying God, uh, of the things that are, that are corrupt. We suffer that loss. And there is a glory in that suffering. There is a redemption in that suffering. There is a life in that suffering. There is even a joy. Uh, read First Peter. First Peter has a lot to do with, with suffering. And, and, and also, just notice throughout the whole scriptures, whenever you're talking about redemptive suffering, suffering, uh, you're going to find one of two words right around suffering in almost every scripture passage. Glory and joy. Because you see, doing what you and I want to do in life to answer our pain uh, only brings more pain. There is no glory in it and, and there is no joy. It's kind of like taking that next hit of, of a drug. It does not do anything that it promises. You turn to it for life and all it does is bring death. And I talked to, to one um, uh, of our, our fellowship a number of years ago had a several hundred a day uh, oxy uh, habit and, and he just said to me, he said, there is no thrill in it whatsoever. He said, I just have to do this so that I don't feel absolutely sick all day. That is the portrait of sin's lie. Dangles the bait, delivers the hook. So if you are a follower of Christ, I want to invite you out of sitting Saved people served people. If you are a follower of Christ, I want to invite you out of self-centered consuming. There is a world to save. If you are a follower of Christ, I want to invite you out of purposelessness and self-pleasing into mission. Uh, God has gifted you to change the world. 
And you will never be happy in yourself. You will never be happy serving yourself. In fact, you will never find true joy and the depths of, of, of true purpose until you give yourself away on mission and you suffer whatever you have to suffer. See, here's, here's the picture, really, of the suffering of God at Easter. Jesus suffered for me that he might suffer through me. Jesus suffered for me to bring my healing, that he might suffer through me to bring healing to the world. And, and the Word of God is, is very, very clear about why Jesus suffered. Isaiah 53, 4, he took up our infirmities, all of our weaknesses, all of our pain points, all of our, our, the areas of our life where, where it just seems like the, the darkness of hell is, is winning and, and, and there's just, just no way to overcome. Jesus took everything weak in us, everything sick in us, uh, and, and he healed it. And let me just say real quickly that some will say, well, this passage applies to our physical healing. Again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time knocking that down every time. Does God heal? You bet he does. Is the primary purpose of the redemption of Jesus our physical healing on planet earth? No. You're going to die. Jesus heals you, you're going to die. Okay? I'm not saying don't pray for healing. I have and I will and, and my, I pray for my wife's healing all the time. But the ultimate point and application of this message is uh, of healing is what Jesus does for us forever. And in the depths of our being and in the reality of our soul, Jesus has taken up everything inside of us that was sick and dead and dying and, and cancerous and corrupt, and, and, and He lifted it up. He carried our sorrows. So many of us are walking through life weighed down by our own pain. We're we are walking through life and we are under a burden of our past. That sexual abuse, those things that we did that we, we, we so regret, we can't even look back on them. Whatever it is, the anger that burns with us towards somebody else for what they did to us, that's just not justifiable. Every sorrowful thing you can carry and let it kill you or let Jesus carry it. And in the killing that it did to him, there is a new life. Because he carried our sorrows. Um, he, he lifted them up. We, we looked on him, and at the time, it's like we were all standing back saying, that guy's losing, and I'm going to keep my distance. I don't want to be like him. But he was pierced for our transgressions, all of my sin, all of my wrong. I don't have to pay for it anymore. doesn't mean I can live like I want to. But it means I, I look at the suffering of, of God in Jesus and, and I see what he went through and, and I realize I don't have to, to even worry about being good enough. He was good enough. And out of his goodness, I am free. Out of his goodness, I don't have to ever wonder if towards God I am loved or lovable. I am. And as I look at the suffering of Jesus, I don't ever have to wonder, can I make it? I never have to wonder about that because I look at Jesus and I see what the Spirit of God did in him and I know that that same Spirit lives in me and I know that the answer of Jesus is yes, you can make it. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. 
It's all the stupid sexual stuff that we do that breaks our lives, breaks our marriage, corrupts our souls. All the, all the things that, that, that we are carrying in our lives um, that, that, that are going to, again, crush us as, as people in the, the, the bottom floor of a 20-story building in an earthquake. Jesus is willing to carry if we will let him. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. I'm telling you, if you'll hear this message today, you can live the rest of your life in joy. You can live the rest of your life healed. You can live the rest of your life whole, purposeful. I mean, coming ever more alive, uh, you know, on, on mission, I mean, the best you that, that you can imagine. And all simply by, by letting Jesus do the suffering. And then letting him suffer through us in ways that are joyful and redemptive and purposeful and good. First Peter 1.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. There's Peter quoting Isaiah 53, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. The righteousness that we're talking about, again, it's not a, it's not a, you know, a puritanical kind of shallow goodness. It's, it's living for what's right. It's like deciding whether you want to, whether you want to, you know, in World War II be on the side of, of, of the Nazis um, or, or, or on the side of freedom. I mean, it's kind of really clear which is which. Do you want to be on the, on the side of, of, of what is eternally right and eternally true or, or, or on the side of, of what is dark and, and what is deception? And to live for righteousness means that in my relationship with my wife, I, I seek the rightness of God. In my fathering, I, I, I get before God and in the depths of my soul, I seek all of His rightness and love for my, my daughter. And it translates into everything we do, the honesty of our taxes, are the ethics at work, the things that we don't take, the things we don't say, the things that we do say, it translates into everything as we die to, to what is death in this world and we come alive to all that will be life forever. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. One of my greatest fears in life is, is helplessness. And, and the reason is because I grew up helpless. I can remember as, as a kid at four years old standing before a guy who was 6'5 uh, in green fatigues, uh, so starched that you could cut yourself on the, on the legs, and, you know, and looking up at him, it's like, nah, I don't stand a chance here. And, and I've always felt, you know, deep down in that same sense of, of powerlessness. Had a guy break into to our house one time. We were on the second story. He climbed up two balconies. Big guy. And I, I heard him. Um, and, um, and, you know, I, I run to, to the balcony, he's got one leg over, and, and I'm just, you know, I, I don't have anything in my hands. And, and you know, oh, oh, wow, here we go. And, and I said something really intelligent like, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, in those moments, you can't think real clear. But even in that moment, without a weapon in my hand, I just decided, you're not coming over. We're both going back over because you are not coming in here. 
And in that feeling of helplessness um, that, that so often comes to us, Jesus is offering us the ultimate weapon, the very Spirit of Christ. So you arm yourselves with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but living for the will of God. I'm praying that, that at the church at Severn Run, that there will be a revival in, in these latter days before Jesus comes. Uh, a revival of people who are not content to live lukewarm, uh, mediocre lives in the footsteps of Jesus. A revival of people who will seek his heart, who will commit to doing his will for life. That the will of God might matter than my own, more than my own will. Or the will of somebody else that might be controlling you. No, it's the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. That's the life of Jesus. Nothing mattered more than the will of God. Romans uh, 5, um, well, to, to finish that verse, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Romans 5, 3 says, not only so, but we re- glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces something worthwhile. Perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And as we look upon the suffering of God in Jesus, the purity of his suffering ought to inspire and ignite in us a new purity of living Jesus suffered for the love of God and for the love of you. When you look upon his suffering, when I look upon his suffering, I just see in a new way, I am more loved than I ever imagined. You are more loved than you ever imagined. But until that means everything to us, it really doesn't mean anything. Here's what I want you to do today. Let Jesus suffer for you. Stop suffering for yourself. Stop trying to pay your own debt. Stop, stop holding on to your own, um, your own pain and let Jesus suffer for you to bring you healing. Accept healing. And then let Jesus suffer through you to bring healing to the world. That's God's call. That's God's invitation. This Easter, remember the suffering of love. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.